we are in our third week of a four-week series called The Good Life. And what we are doing is we are going through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's chap- Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And the reason it's called The Good Life is it is it's Christ's viewpoint on what our life should look like. And, and we have all of the, all of the preconceived notions and perceptions of what, what success should be like and what makes for good life and what, what creates a worry-free life. And, and we have all of these ideas. And here's the thing. It's our best guess without the help of the Lord. And so what Jesus does is he sits down with his followers in Matthew chapter 5 and preaches probably his most famous sermon the Sermon on the Mount that takes up three chapters. And, and so we've, we've uh, we covered the, the, let's see, what do we have? Um, we had right side up, just rethinking everything um, the first week. And then uh, we had upwardly focused last week. And then this week we're going to be talking about trading up. And the idea is that we are, we are going to be making a decision on what it, what it looks like and what we should do with, with the stuff that we have and what we accumulate because that's really what Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 34 are all about. And the big thought for the Sermon on the Mount is kingdom living. Like this is what it all looked like. And we always get the idea that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is something that happens in the sweet by and by. But the truth of the matter is it's supposed to happen right now. Like it's the life that we are supposed to live as followers of Jesus, as we are committed to him and following the principles that he laid out for us, it ought to change how we look at life today instead of just waiting until we get to heaven one day. It's what life should look like as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34, the overarching emphasis is this phrase, seek first the kingdom of God prioritize that in your life. Jesus is saying this, that what the normal Christian life should look like may not be the same as the life that everyone else thinks. It's the life that God intends for us to live. Now, what does that look like? It's a life that is free from anxiety. Could you imagine a life free from worry? A life that is free to fully pursue God with all that we are and all that we have because we're not weighed down with the constraints of this world. It's a life that's more connected with God and his purposes than all of the things and concerns that seem to weigh us down here in this world. And what's incredible is that this appears to be a choice. (laughs) Like, Like you get to live this way But it's your choice whether or not you decide to live this way. So Jesus lays all this out for us and says, this is what a kingdom citizen ought to live like. This worry-free, free to fully pursue God, a life that is just committed to his purposes. And then he basically says, but it's your choice. I mean, you can decide to live that way or not. And I love the phrase trading up. Like, I know I'm married up, right? I know, I know that I'm married up. I was way out of my league. And I charmed her. And she had a heart. 
for stupid people. <laughs> and we have this incredible relationship. And I, ju- I know. I, I married up. But here's the thing, right? You can, as a citizen of the kingdom, you can make the decision to trade up. Like, I can live in such a way that it creates heaven on earth and live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven right here and right now by prioritizing the things of heaven over the things of earth, by valuing the eternal more than the temporal, by thinking rightly about everything that I have and everything that I am pursuing when I get my brain right, when I, get, when I get my thinking right, it makes all the difference in my value system. And then at the end of this chapter, Jesus spends 10 solid verses telling us how, to prioritize, how that prioritizing our life will remove our anxieties and our worries and our concerns and our stress. And here's the crazy thing. We as believers, as followers of Jesus, if that's you this morning, it's your choice whether or not you want to live that way. You serve the God of this universe. You serve the creator of everything that you see around you. And yet we pine away in worry and anxiety and stress because we worry about all the same stuff that everybody else worries about. And it's our choice to live that way. But there's another way. Let me just clarify a few things. Here's some things that Jesus is not saying in this text. He's not saying that money and things are bad. Okay? I like money and I like things. Money and things are not bad. He's not saying this, that saving for a rainy day or retirement is bad. There's responsibility there. So I I don't think he's saying that, that saving having a savings account or putting money away in your IRA or buying stocks. I don't think he's saying that any of that's bad. I don't think Jesus is saying that, that enjoying this life and what it can offer is bad. If you want to buy a boat, buy a boat. If you, want to, if you want to, you know, build a bigger house, build a bigger house. I don't think that he's saying that, that this kind of stuff is bad. So, so don't feel like, and that didn't, I, did, I did not just give you permission to go buy a boat. I know what's happening, right? So you're going to go out to eat with your wife afterwards and say, see, the preacher said I can go buy a boat. <clears throat> that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that's what Jesus is saying is that it's okay to enjoy this life. It's about what it happens to you. So let me, I messed up the guy back there. Okay, sorry, David. So this is what Jesus is not saying. So what is he saying? Let's, let's, let's have a moment of clarity here. What Jesus is saying is don't spend your life to only acquire things. Do you see the difference? It's okay to live in a nice house. It's okay to have a, a boat. It's okay to make sure that you plan for retirement. But don't spend your life to only acquire those things so that when you get to the end of your life, all you have is stuff. What what is Jesus saying? He's saying don't live selfishly with no care for others. 
And that's a great test of how strong a grip this world has on you is how, how easy it is to give it away. Jesus is saying, don't find your value in what you own. And he's saying this, don't waste your life worrying about it. So what, what we're seeing here is that it's about what the stuff does to you. It's not just about the stuff. It's about what the stuff does to you. So let me give you three principles here about trading up. And what, what I think that this passage, we're, we're going to divide this passage up into three different sections. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34, smack in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to divide this up into three sections. And here are three different trades that we get to make. The first trade is this, trading earthly things for eternal treasure. Trading earthly things for eternal treasure. The Bible says this, and Jesus is speaking. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what does it mean uh, to lay up treasures for yourself? So, so wait a minute. You just said that, that, that it didn't mean that you couldn't save for retirement. Uh, well, and Jesus says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. That seems pretty clear, right? Don't have a savings account. Uh, what does that even mean? Like what, what is he actually talking about there then? I think basically what he is saying, and, and, and here's, a quick, here's an easy way to put it. Anything that you do on earth for this earth alone. So it, when you are laying up treasures on earth, you are only providing for what this earth needs. You spend all of your time trying to accumulate it, and then you spend all your time worrying about it. Right? So you spend all your time trying to accumulate it, and then you spend the rest of your time worried about it. That's laying up treasures on earth. Now listen, I have a savings account. I have a retirement account. I think we could probably live on McDonald's for about three or four weeks with my retirement account. But I have a retirement account. But I am a set it and forget it kind of a guy. Now, that's because I know me. Now, some of you get a lot of joy out of trading stocks and doing this and, and putting it over here. Good for you. That would, that would drive me crazy. Like, I can't, I can't handle that. And so I pretty much just go to my guy and say, here's my contribution for this year. Do the best you can. And I just put it there. I, can't, I, know, I know my spirit. I can't live that way. It just creates too much anxiety. So we, we have, you know, we're Dave Ramsey fans, right? So we have six months of expenses in savings. It's taken us a long time to build that up. But that gives me peace. Like if you fired me next week, I'd have at least six months to find another church somewhere. 
I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of peace that comes along with that. Because I'm not all stressed out and worried that I'm going to make it next paycheck. So I think being smart financially is a good idea because it helps remove some worry and anxiety. So I'm not saying go through life flippantly and not worried about anything. Be smart and do your due diligence and be a responsible husband, right? Unless you're the wife, then don't do that. But do what you can to do what's right, but then don't get wrapped up in it. And Christ reminds us of the temporary nature of the things that you're saving up when he uses moths and rust corrupting it and thieves stealing it. So if laying up treasures on earth is anything you do on earth for, the earth for this earth alone, laying up treasures is anything you do on earth that lasts forever. So what Jesus is saying here is, think about it, folks. How much of your activity has an eternal benefit? How much of what you are doing is laying up treasures in heaven? Yeah, you can store things in heaven where nothing rots and nothing corrupts and nothing gets stolen. That's a good trade. That's a good trade up. And do you see how that removes the worry? When you know you're sending it on ahead, when you're investing in the eternal, when you support a missionary, when you give to a, to a work that has eternal consequences, that is investing in eternity. When you make decisions with your money and with your time and with your life that affects eternity, that's a good trade. That's a trade up. Another good trade he mentions here is in verses 22 through 24, trading materialism for God. And we'll define materialism in just a minute. Trading materialism for God. It says here in verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. This is a really interesting two verses here. We'll, We'll kind of dig into them just a little bit. But if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he goes on to say this very popular verse, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is a great word because it's more than just money. It's like money and stuff. It's money and things. So just to kind of take a step back here, those first two verses get brushed over all the time. Because we look at them and go, ooh, I don't even know what that means. And so then we go right to verse 24, which we can understand. But verses 22 and 23 are so important to understand verse 24. And the idea here is that how you see things makes all the difference. A single eye, but if your eye be single, the idea is healthy. And the, the idea is that, is, that, is that you not only have good vision, but you don't have any kind of eye disease. It's, it's, just an, it's just an illustration that Christ is using, that you are seeing things in a healthy way. You have the right perspective on life. And so if your eye is healthy, then your whole body is full of light. You're able to see clearly. 
everything that's around you. And then he says, but if your eye be evil, what does that word evil mean? It's not just like evil as in wicked or bad. It means that it is diseased, that it is corrupted, that there's something wrong with your eyesight. And what he's saying is, he said, he said just the opposite of having clear vision is having something wrong with your eyes and you don't see things well. And so everything in your life becomes darkness because you're becoming blinded to the light. And so if you don't see things well, then you make the wrong decisions. And then that leads into verse 24 saying no man can serve two masters. You have to see clearly. Let me show you what the truth is here. Let's, let's, let's shine some light in on this situation. No man can serve two masters. So what is materialism? We commonly think of materialism as just like the preoccupation with the material world and and the money and the possessions and all that go along with it. And that's absolutely accurate. I think for this purposes, I love this though, it's the philosophy which operates as though God doesn't exist. That's a succinct definition. It's a philosophy that operates as though God doesn't exist. So, So here's the crazy thing. That's how many of us operate as followers of Christ. Like you may have had a moment in your life at some time where you trusted Jesus as your Savior and you're on your way to heaven and you're a child of the King, but on a regular basis, on how you deal with money, on the decisions you make in life and how you treat your wife and how you work, all of that looks just like everybody else. And you're living like an atheist even though you're a Christian. Because you got fire insurance, right? You're not going to hell. But you're living here on earth like Jesus doesn't really make any difference. Like your relationship with Jesus is only about maybe treating people nicely or being a good neighbor. And I'm good with that. I love that kind of stuff. But Jesus is getting right into your business here. Like he is digging right in. He's looking you right in the face and not blinking. Right? He's looking at you and he is drawing the line and saying, put up or shut up. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a citizen of the kingdom. It means you're not wrapped up in materialism. You're not living as though God doesn't exist. When we live materialistically, even though we may believe in God and claim a relationship to him, we are in essence living as though he doesn't exist even as believers. So what does it mean to serve money? So no man can serve two masters. Either will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So what does it mean to serve money? It means that you're calculating all of your behavior and all of your life in order to maximize what money can give you. What job you accept, where you live, how many hours you work, the payments that you make, the stuff you buy, everything is calculated to give you the maximum benefit that money can give you. It's the center of your attention. It's everything that you think about. That is serving money. Conversely, what is serving God? I'm glad you asked. 
I just assume that you want to know. It means to do everything you can and everything that you, to do everything you do and calculating all of your behavior and your life in order to maximize the pleasure you give to God and the benefits and gifts that come from God. So I want my life to bring him pleasure and I want him to be the one that blesses my life. Here's what's just so exciting. You're not all that, okay? I mean, I love you, and God loves you, but you're not all that. So, like, you're going to come up with every way you can to live a good life here on earth, and, and if you completely leave God out of the picture, and you're just worried about the job that you have and the money that you make, and that's what you're consumed with, and you're trying to figure out all of this all by yourself, you're doing it all by yourself. Or... You can focus on serving God and his kingdom and taking what you have and living frugally so that you are able to give more and you are able to to bring him pleasure. And then here's the beautiful thing is now you're putting it in God's hands to be true to his word and take care of you. And when you are serving God, it's his responsibility to take care of you. When you're serving money, good luck. So the idea is you you can't serve both because they are mutually exclusive. You can't serve God and money with the same kind of devotion. You're either angling to make God your treasure in everything or you're angling to make money your treasure in everything. And you know the difference. You know the difference. In February, we did a whole three-week series on generosity. And we talked about tithing and all that. And, and you know the difference. Like, it's like, like if, you're, if you're angling to try and figure out, okay, what does that mean? Is that on the gross or the net? Right? Is that, is that uh, and, I, and I don't know what you believe about the tithe. You may say that's an Old Testament thing. I do know this, that Jesus raised the bar on everything. So if tithing was an Old Testament thing, it's probably, we've got to probably give more in the New Testament. Good luck with that. So I'd be like, okay, I'm good with the tithe. I'm good. All right. But like, are you angling to try to figure out, you know, where, I mean, I'm going to borrow from next week. You know, I, mean, I, I don't know how you do all that. That's between you and God. But are you angling, like trying to figure out how to, how to keep God off your back and still get everything you want? Or are you like involved in the, like, like all right, God, let's, let's see what you can do here. And I want to bring you pleasure. I want your blessings on my life. Let's make this happen. Crickets. But you have to choose. Right? That's what he's saying in verse 24. It's a choice. And you trade up either materialism or God. I'm going to trade in my materialism for God. There's something about God and money that makes them both tend to mastery. Right? Either you're mastered by money or you're mastered by God. Either you're mastered by money and you ignore God and just make him the gopher in your life. Like, I'm going to ignore you, God, and all the principles that you have for me, but then I want you to heal my mama. I'm going to completely ignore you in my life, 
but I want to make you my gopher. I want you to be my little genie in a bottle that grants me my wishes when I really need them, and I'm going to cry then. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm saying we are making, we are Christ followers, right? And it ought to make a significant difference in how we live this life. And as Christ followers, we have consciously or subconsciously made the decision to prioritize this world and money and the temporal things over the eternal and the godly. Or you can be mastered by God and make money (laughs) a servant of the kingdom. But if either tries to master you while you are mastered by the other, you will hate and despise it. That's what he's saying. When you're fully devoted to God and you are serving God and money tries to take hold of you, you will you'll have a visceral reaction to that. This is why Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say it was impossible. He said with God all things are possible. But it's so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because money makes such a cruel master. It's hard to give it up. Trading up, trading earthly things for earthly, for eternal treasures, trading materialism for God, and finally here, trading worry for peace. And this is what it all results to. So we make the right decisions about living in this kingdom, and it creates a worry-free life. I didn't say trouble-free, worry-free. So you're trading worry for peace. And this is where you end up after the discussion of the right priorities. Because wealth does not bring peace. And you can just read the comments and the quotes from the world's richest men that have ever lived. And all of them were miserable men. And it never, ever gets to the place where you feel good about how much money you have. I'll tell you that right now. And I know this is an old survey, but I was reading an article, and then the survey that they did was back in 1992. And in 1992, they surveyed people at different tiers of income and, they, and, and what it would take to make you comfortable. What would it take to make you not worry about money? And at that time, people who made $25,000 a year, guess what they said? If I made $50,000 a year, I wouldn't worry about money anymore. Well, then they interviewed the people who made $50,000 a year. How much would it take for you to be worry-free? They said about 100000 a year. And I'm not kidding you. Then they interviewed the people who are making $100,000 a year. How much would it take to make you live worry-free? And what do you think they said? 200000 So pretty much everybody that they interviewed felt like they had to make twice as much money as they were making in order to be worry-free. Even though the people who were making that much money were not worry-free. It doesn't work. Making more money is not going to make you feel better. I'm not opposed to making more money. I'm not opposed to working hard. I'm not, and, and, and hear me. If you have the right priorities and, and God blesses you and, and you can use that to bless other people, that is fantastic. But if you're latching on to more money to make you happier and worry-free, it's just not going to work. 
because it always demands more. And so we serve money, and all we think it will bring, and all we do is worry about it. It never brings the peace that we hoped. Because here's the truth, and I, I, I wish we had time to read all of these verses. We just, we just won't. But here's the truth. Our anxiety is directly connected to our relationship with stuff. Our anxiety is directly connected with our relationship to stuff. The secret to happiness is not more. The secret to happiness is contentment. The Apostle Paul had the right idea in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. He says, but godliness <laughs> with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Except for what we store up ahead of time. It's only possible by faith. We have to live a life of faith. If I live by these kingdom principles, and I prioritize God, that God will bless, and God will take care of me. And I love what Craig Rochelle said, that faith is the currency of the kingdom of heaven. That's what it takes to make things work. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but there's a lot to think about here. And that's the good life. There ought to be a difference in how we view money and how we view stuff. And please hear me loud and clear. I rejoice with you when you get a better job. I'm excited for you when we see God's hands on your life. And I'm excited when you get to upgrade your house or get a new car. I promise you, I'm, I don't think I've ever been that guy that would look at you and say, well, that must be nice. I just want to slap people that say that. I really do. And with all the love I can. <laughs> My wife and I take a nice vacation somewhere. Someone says, it must be nice. Just get a little closer, please. <laughs> like right about there, about that far away. I'm not that guy. I rejoice with you. I am so excited when you roll up in a new car or you sign on a new house or you buy a new toy. I'm, I'm, I am your biggest fan. And I, let me tell you, I really believe this. I believe that makes God happy when your priorities are right. I think he wants us to enjoy life. What a beautiful example of how managing things well and managing things for the kingdom is a beautiful example. But make sure that you're serving God and not the stuff. Make sure your priority is the kingdom of God and living by faith so you're not wrapped up in all the worry of it. Because faith is the currency of the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. God, we need your help with this. This is like right where we live. And I pray that we as your children, as your followers, we look to our Father for all that we need and that the decisions that we make would bring you honor and that we would live a life of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.